0: and welcome to Tea with the High Commission. I'm Iona Thomas, British High Commissioner to New Zealand. Welcome to our podcast. In this podcast, we explore the connections between the UK and New Zealand through conversation with some very interesting Brits and New Zealanders. I invite you to join in the conversation by leaving comments and questions.
1: Kia I'm James Arachi, the Lead Advisor for Science and Innovation at the British High Commission. Joining me today for Tea with the High Commission is a leading environmental entrepreneur, Dr. Will Barker. Will is the chief executive and founder of New Zealand company Mint Innovation. I'm really excited to be here today with Will because Mint Innovation have a unique ability to turn waste into gold. They've developed a new way to recover gold and other precious metals from our old computers and mobile phones. But it's not just me that's excited about Mint Innovation, they're gaining global recognition. In May, they were named as a technology pioneer by the World Economic Forum, one of just 100 companies worldwide. And what's so exciting for me as a science innovation officer is their use of science to help tackle problems like climate change and waste, which are problems that we all face. So, Will, it's a real pleasure to have you here for tea with the High Commission today. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thanks for inviting me.
1: Yeah, and look, Will, I I wondered if you could just start by telling us a bit more about what Mint's innovation actually do. We
0: are a, a, a waste-to-value um, company. We take a waste stream and, uh, and we create value out of it. Um, as, you, as you indicated, our primary interest is, uh, in the first instance, um, e-waste. And uh, your, kind of your, your laptops, your cell phones, um, uh, computer equipment, small IT, um, at the end of their life, tends to uh, be discarded. Uh, often ends up in landfill. Um, or uh, or worst case exported to developing nations where uh, uh, it kind of causes uh, no end of not just uh, environmental but uh, humanitarian issues and um, so instead we've developed a, a solution where we're able to take those uh, that e-waste and, uh, and recover very cleanly recover the precious metals that are locked up inside, for example, the circuit boards, the lithium-ion batteries within the uh, within that technology, and basically able to produce those you know, recycled uh, fresh metals that can then be uh, re- returned to the circular economy.
1: Wow, wow! So, look, um, could could you just describe for us how businesses currently try and recover gold from things like computers and and, and old mobile phones? And I'm just interested in what makes you so different. Sure.
0: So, um, right now, if, uh, if, if you or I throw away some, uh, some, some tech at its end of life, uh, it will typically go to an e waste recycler. Um, and the e waste recycler will break, uh, break down, for example, a laptop, will break it down into a plastic stream, a steel frame stream, uh, a circuit board stream, a lithium ion battery stream. Um, Right now, they, uh, the, the the plastic kind of gets sent off uh, to uh, often uh, to to Southeast Asia, and the steel can be recycled fairly easily using uh, electric arc Circuit boards typically get sent to uh, to Northeast Asia or Europe, where they can be recycled um, in uh, using uh, basically this copper smelter. So, a very high energy, dirty process to recover some of the uh, some of that value. Um, what we've developed is uh, is a process where we've actually got a, it's a very scalable process, so we can build these very low-cost plants, low-cost, low-carbon plants in the cities where the uh, waste is produced and where it's collected, and recover the metals locally, um, rather than shipping them half the way around the world. Um, you know, shipping shipping low-value waste just to, uh, to to get rid of it is a is a pretty uh, pretty terrible Western
1: thing to do, Um, and uh, we've got the opportunity to completely stop that. Wow. Wow. So, look, um, you were talking about uh, cities could have this plant uh, with innovation, and I understand you've just recently opened up uh, your first plant in Sydney. Is that correct?
0: That's absolutely right. So we've been scaling technology for about six years and uh, it's a kind of a fairly stereotypical venture-funded scale-up journey from test tube all the way through to commercial plant um, through pilots and through kind of various uh, scaling um, uh, kind of uh, modules. Um, but uh, yeah, recently just uh, built our first commercial plant in Sydney and uh, just opened that up uh, and that'll be operational by the end of the year. So that's taking all of Sydney's electronic uh, uh, waste And recovering uh, about five and a half hundred tonnes of gold, um, about a thousand kgs of uh, copper, and returning that directly back
1: into the local economy. Wow! Wow, that sounds really, really exciting. Um, And is there any particular reason why you chose Sydney as your as your first site? Uh,
0: Yeah, Sydney's Sydney's a city of scale, Um, and uh, so it's about five million people in Sydney. So. Uh, and, and and also uh, Australia in particular has pretty strong um, strong uh, mandates around electronic waste, um, landfill bans, for example. And, and it's it's important in Australia that the, the waste is treated as treated appropriately. Um, so they've got pretty high collection rates for uh, for e waste.
1: And then you know it's on
0: our doorstep. Um, yes, it's a three hour flight away, but uh, but in geographical yeah. terms. They're cl- very, very close neighbours to New Zealand. And uh, so, it, you know, through convenience, uh, it, it, it's very, very
1: handy. Uh, um, Jacinda, are there trip to Australia as, as part of innovation and what you're planning to do in Sydney?
0: Yeah, that's absolutely right. So, uh, so obviously, as, uh, as we kind of get towards the, uh, the reopening of borders and, uh, and the kind of reinvigoration of business, um, we, were, we were invited on a, a trade delegation, the first trade delegation, or actually it was the second one, but uh, uh, a trade delegation to Australia um, where the, uh, the government invited a ton of um, interesting um, cross multi-sectoral companies. And uh, yeah, we, because of what we're doing in Australia, we were lucky enough to, uh, to, to go along and to enjoy the kind of uh, the, the interaction and the buzz that uh, being part of that de- delegation creates
1: right so uh, obviously like one reason why i'm buzzing and so happy to have you here on the podcast today is i think you've got plans as well to open up in the uk is 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 that something that you're looking to do in the short term
0: yeah, absolutely that's so so our, our long-term view if you like is to build these plants everywhere so our, our philosophy is that we'll take the uh, take the plant to the waste stream um and uh, obviously that provides a low carbon uh solution for these metals um but takes obviously you know you've got to build where's the next plant the next plant the next plant and um, so the first plant is in Australia um, but uh, our plan is the second plant is uh, is it's in the Midlands and we're working through um, working through uh, identifying sites in the Midlands of the UK and uh, certainly expect to be building that plant um, from early 23.
1: Yeah well look I'd, I'd love to keep in contact with you because uh, just recently the UK published a new um, circular strategy uh, for technology metals. Um, so, there's a number of initiatives that are starting to open up where the UK is thinking about how we can better use the precious metals that sit in computers, mobile phones. And so, I'm reminded of an old saying that used to be where there's muck, there's brass. And it sounds like today, there's, uh, where there's gadgets, there's gold. <laughs> That's
0: absolutely right. And look, you know, the, 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 we're returning with the circular economy piece is, is important, it's extremely important, and, and returning local low-carbon metals back into uh, the local economy is extremely important. But what we're recognising as we're kind of developing and uh, having these conversations um, is that uh, resource security uh, and resource sovereignty in particular is increasingly important. Um, a lot of the metals that are required for decarbonization technologies, electrification technologies, things like copper, lithium, cobalt, gold, they come from nickel, they come from really you know, uh, unsecure sources. Uh, most of the nickel that's produced in the world comes from Russia. Uh, most of the cobalt that's produced in the world comes from uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo. So uh, there is a real drive, and, and I think the initiative you're talking about is, uh, is supporting this, a real drive to try and retain that value onshore. And, and, and so technologies like ours are absolutely you know, super well aligned and perfect for, uh, for that.
1: Uh, value retention. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that there's an estimate that there's about seven percent of the world's gold sits in computers, gadgets, and, and mobile phones. So it, it, it's a huge, I guess, opportunity and and problem. And I'm quite interested in. It's such a great concept, but what made you come up with um, this idea?
0: Uh, so. Uh- I've been in uh, kind of climate tech for a long time, uh, particularly waste of value. Um, I was uh, previously with another great uh, New Zealand um, clean tech company at and uh, and that was another waste of value play if you like taking steel mill waste gas producing biofuels and biochemicals. they actually relocated for their operations. U.S. to Chicago, and I, I, you know, I've chosen to be a digital. I'm, I'm a immigrant here, and uh, so stepped out of land, taken the time, but had a real strong. Um, you know, I've got a strong background, but also a strong um, desire to, uh, to to use my skills to to kind of continue that story. So, taking um, so really focusing on those waste to value um, technologies and commercialization of waste to value technologies. So, we just started looking around for high value um, products low value waste streams and
1: have have lots of business around that i think it's an area that flies under the radar a bit when it comes to new zealand because because there is this cluster of really awesome kiwi companies that are using biology or just science in general to address waste so you mentioned lanzatech which is a billion dollar plus firm now but there's a large number of other companies coming through like avatana i could go on it's So from your perspective, is there any particular reason why you think New Zealand is producing these waste-to-value success stories?
0: Uh, Look, a a lot of reasons, Uh, a lot of things coming together. I think um, there's been, uh, Land of kind of, to to a certain extent, been a trailblazer and has shown the way. Um, But uh, New Zealand is also, there's a lot of uh, very, very talented people uh, living in New Zealand, so I think more, uh, life science PhDs per capita in New Zealand than anywhere else in the world. So there's some real, real talent in New Zealand for developing new technologies. And um, there's also a, a real can-do attitude over here. And, uh, and, and so it's kind of you know been around since uh, pioneering times, uh, whereas something, something doesn't exist today, then uh, it's, it's kind of, you know, we'll just create it anyway. From a uh, from a kind of startup perspective, from a startup journey perspective, New Zealand is a great place to um, develop technologies. Um, funding aside, uh, it's it's pretty. Uh, you know, you've got the talent. Uh, it's a low uh, low cost economy. Doing this sort of thing in the US, I think, would cost you ten times more than it costs here. Um, so uh, so yeah, it's a, there's a lot of stars that are like,
1: Look, I've lived in New Zealand now for about 12 years and i sort of fallen in love with the pioneering spirit myself. Uh, but then sometimes I do hear people talking about a challenge in New Zealand is this thing called a tyranny of distance that we're just so far away from other markets and investors that it can be challenging to like raise the profile of your ideas. Um, is that something that you've experienced? Uh, big time. Uh,
0: I'd say that's the biggest challenge that we face. And, uh, and, and you know it is a great place to grow a company. Um, but that too many distances, our, our nearest neighborhood is the three flights away to Sydney. Um, beyond that Singapore is what eight hours, and then after that the main markets are at least twelve hours. so um, so when when a startup company in Silicon Valley is able to knock on the door of over hundred investors in a month, um, you know, we might be able to uh, to do that across a year. So we just don't have that same ability to uh, to to be in people's faces. Um, it's a big deal for us to get across to Europe um, to present at a conference, and so it, it, it does. You know, it's, it's, it's a fairly steep um, uh, curve against us, uh, and we have to work pretty hard in order to to overcome that um, that headwind. Uh, but you know, you, you've got the tailwind of, of New Zealand being a great place to to to, 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 to scale this, and then uh, you counter that with the um, uh, with the challenges around the market and, and, and investors, but. It's still a great place to do this because uh, you, know, you can get people in market. We've got people on the ground in the UK. We've got people on the ground in, in, uh, in Sydney. Um, the world's getting smaller. I think the pandemic has, uh, to some extent leveled the playing field a little bit for New Zealand in that everybody's been doing business online, but uh, it's got used to doing business online. So um, so, so we, we've um, we're, we're now able to be a little bit more competitive with uh, with the US and, uh, and European. We've still got terrible time time zones, but um, uh, which means lots of late night or very early morning calls, um, but people are used to taking those calls. So that's that's definitely improved things a
1: little bit. Uh, That's actually a great point. So for the past 18 months I've been in the role here, um, the evening calls uh, just seem to be much more acceptable. So I'm finding it a lot easier to reach UK um, research scientists. Uh, to have a call so i'm hopeful that will lead to bigger and better things in the future and obviously too we've just signed a new uk new zealand research science and innovation arrangement so i'm hopeful that's going to be the first step in building uh, deeper connections between the uk and new zealand when it comes to certain research science innovation areas like climate change or cleantech for example um, so, look, we've spoken quite a bit about Mint Innovation and uh, the role that science can be playing in, in things like, like addressing waste. I'm, I'm quite interested in your story as, as a person, so I can't help but notice the uh, uh, UK accent. And could you just tell us a little bit about how you came to be in New Zealand? Uh, sure. Yeah. So um, I was born in the UK, obviously,
0: um, uh, born on the south coast, uh, Portsmouth. Well, no, Haining Island to be precise, but uh, nobody's ever heard of Haining Island. Um, <laughs> went to university at Leicester uh, to do a chemistry degree. Um, stayed on to do a PhD in synthetic chemistry. Uh, synthetic chemistry is kind of that medicinal type chemistry that uh, that, that typically is halfway into into pharma. Um, met my uh, then girlfriend, uh, now wife, uh, at, at uni. Um, she she was a, med, a medicine a med- I think, yeah, doing a medicine degree. And uh, we just we, we came to a view that it would be great to go and spend a, a year or maybe two years in New Zealand um, post uh, you know, degree, the PhD, uh, prior to coming back to the UK to, uh, to embark on you know, a real, a proper career. Um, so I arrived in New Zealand probably around 2000 ish. Um, she worked at a local hospital. I uh, postdoc uh, at a local university down in Palmerston North and um, with every intention of returning back to the UK, you know, I, I was expecting to work in pharma, you know, the Pfizer's, the, uh, the Smith, the, the Glaxo's in the world, I uh, had every intention of doing that, but uh, but look, we just fell in love with uh, New Zealand, we fell in love with, uh, with we're both quite outdoorsy, so uh, you know, the, the, the beaches, the mountains, the everything, you know, James, exactly what it's like, so... Um, yep fell in love with it, decided to extend our stay. One of the challenges with um, with New Zealand is that uh, we are a small country and, uh, and there was no farmer. So when we decided to stay, my wife was very employable. Doctors are needed everywhere. Um, I was less employable because chemists, <laughs> medicinal chemists, are, are, are not wanted everywhere. Um, so moved up to Auckland. Um I took a. Uh, I am. I am a stereotypical chemist. I am. You know, I, I love my technology. I love my. Uh, I love everything about it. And uh, um, so, in order to stay in the tech world, uh, took a took a role as a forensic scientist and um, spent about four or five years uh, investigating methamphetamine labs. Um, wow. Which was uh, which was which was a lot of fun and uh, pretty interesting. Um, but for me, not a long term career. Um, then became, uh, to, 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 to kind of you know, grow up a little bit, became a, um, uh, moved into, uh, into the commercial side of, uh, of science. I became a patent attorney. Um, and that's kind of started my commercial journey. Uh, as a patent attorney, I joined Lanzar From there, essentially morphed into all things commercial, all the capital raising, all the, uh, all the kind of, uh, joint venturing in, in China, uh, across Europe and uh and then when london take left the country uh, I, I found it mint so a bit of a, a long and winding
1: road to get here but uh but not unusual in new zealand yeah no that's a amazing story so um i met my wife in london and and we moved to new zealand and um i i found my own path in science and innovation and and here i am now with the british high commission and um, so when just when you mentioned working uh, investigating meth labs what uh, so which organization was that you were working with
0: uh, so that's one of the crown research institutes in new zealand a company called esr and they are contracted to the police they do a lot of the public health stuff they do a lot of the uh, forensic stuff so they've got a pretty broad mandate that uh, that is you know this essentially a testing uh, a government testing lab um so one of those services is uh, is, is drugs analysis and and and, and
1: <laughs> <laughs> like oh although you laugh um i thought it might be esr and obviously like that's a testament to the quality of science because if the testing is being used to prove that drug use is happening then it's going to get challenged in court so i think there's a company called is it str mix star mix yes. which is an esr company that's used for forensic court cases and so you've got gold standard science taking place there um so uh, were you involved in any commercial operations when, when you were at ESR?
0: Not at all, not at all, actually. No, it was just, um, just, just meth labs, just investigating meth labs. And as you say, you know, so it's, it's giving evidence in court, all that sort of thing. Um, but interestingly, since, since, um, since my ESR days, I, I'm now um, involved in commercialization. Um, you might be aware, i also the um, chair of KiwiNet. Kubernetes um, is uh, is is you know we're, we're large um, we support the uh, the transition of, of science uh, out of places like ESR into the commercial world um and we provide a pathway for that and so I work quite closely with uh, with the scientists at ESR many of whom used to be colleagues <laughs> uh, <laughs> and are now looking to commercialize things like uh like stomachs and, uh, and and and, and others across uh, across those CRIs across New
1: Zealand I, I work with, um, with with many but uh, I used to used to be colleagues yeah so uh, there's some really good collaborations going on between um, ESR and the UK uh, some like waste water monitoring uh, around mm-hmm. covid and uh, just lots of informal um, swapping of um, ideas and concepts I, I'm, I'm so curious about all of your science background that I I just want to be careful that we don't just talk about um, career paths so I'm just interested, like with Mint Innovation, you've got so many things going on. You're trying to build a company, you're opening up the biorefinery in Sydney, you've got plans for the UK. Um, how do you find time to relax or, or unwind?
0: Uh well, yeah, look, New Zealand is is primed for uh, for unwinding, primed for relaxing. Um I certainly, you know, work work way too hard, but um I uh, have a very supportive family. I've got uh, kids who uh, are now significant teenagers uh, and uh, family, we just love spending time together. So, and, and New Zealand is very much that outdoorsy place, so uh, do a lot of running, do a lot of biking, uh, all those sorts of things, and, uh, and, and just just like to get out of the, in the blue and the green that, uh, that kind of supports that, uh, that wellness, um, helps you relax, and helps you forget about work. Um, yeah, I think we're all a little bit guilty of working a little bit too hard sometimes, so, uh, but New Zealand definitely feels that uh, when, you, when you get outside, uh, you've got that big sky, you've got the, uh, uh, you got the sea or the mountains, whatever you've got, it definitely helps you uh, cleanse, cleanse the soul, um, ready for another week of, uh, of action.
1: Awesome. So um, I'm actually quite a keen mountain biker myself, and, and I cycle past the Wellington um, tip. So I, I always look down at that landfill and I wonder <laughs> what other innovations could uh, start to mine the uh, value out of there so I could have another mountain bike track running through it. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> you,
0: need, you need to be careful, you might end up doing what I'm doing another waste of value, right?
1: <laughs> well, actually, um, on that note, is, is, is there any advice that you'd give to people who, who are thinking about going on a journey of using something like science to tackle climate change and actually build a company uh, out of that?
0: Yeah, and um, I, I wholly, wholly recommend it. The, uh, there is a climate emergency, uh, no doubt about it. And, uh, and, and look, we're, we're a very small piece of the puzzle, a very, very small piece of the puzzle. Um, but we're making positive change. We're enabling positive change. Um, but in order to uh, to, to you know minimize the impact that we have on the earth, I think in my mind every every technology needs to be uh, focused on uh, mitigating the damage that we are as a human race creating. So um, you know every every uh, solution out there, I would highly recommend anybody get get into it. Back yourselves. Get into it. It's a hard road, um, but uh, but you know. Funding these days is becoming much more um, much more uh, targeted at uh, climate tech, um, a lot much more supportive of climate tech. Uh, back ten years ago, everybody talked a good game, but uh, getting money out of investors for climate tech was hard. Um, these days, I think there's been a real move to, uh, to 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 you know the people who invest in funds actually wanting to make positive change. So money's getting easier. Um, yeah. I'd say it's, a, it's still a risky proposition. So de-risk de- it to the extent you can. As a technical person and a scientist, I do tend to evaluate risk uh, or evaluate data points, and, and part of that is uh, risk evaluation. And uh, you know, as, a, as a technical person, I'm not a stereotypical entrepreneur. Uh, I pr- approach it from a scientific angle, um, but you do have to back yourself. You do have to back your team, and uh, just get out and do it because we are without. Without you know, a whole range of technology solutions, um,
1: we're, we're, we're you know, increasingly damaging this earth and it's not going last long. Yeah, so uh, when you mention that whole range of technology solutions, uh, something that I get excited about is, is seeing more and more kind of like biology based um, solutions. So you've got machinery, you've got the big mechanical recycling plants. Uh, you've obviously got software that can help support decision making but it's really exciting to see biology coming more to the fore where um, you can start addressing waste in computers you can start taking on uh, the nasty properties of certain gases and how do you keep on top of what's happening in the biological world
0: yeah and and look i'm a chemist uh, Chemists and biologists aren't natural bedfellows, um, but uh, but when we when I founded it, I, I founded it with a, uh, a biotechnologist who who spends uh, who who gets excited about that sort of thing. And uh, but yeah, so you're absolutely right. There, there is a whole range. Biology is amazing. Um, yeah, chemistry is great, but it's it's uh, it's limited in, uh, in in what it can do. It's it's fairly um, uh, transactional, if you like. Um, you, there's uh, not much to be invented around chemistry whereas biology, um, it, we're, we're scratching the surface when it comes to what microbes can do what biological systems can do um, and, uh, and, and yeah, uh, yeah, we exploit a particular uh, biological property and what we do, we use microorganisms to kind of extract the gold from um, from circuit boards um, and, uh, and we're we are pretty, pretty um, uh, deeply involved in that side of things but uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 there is, as you say, a, a very, very broad range of what uh, what biology do and it, it, we are scratching the surface. It's a lot less predictable, um, but uh, potentially a lot more
1: powerful. Yeah, look, it, it, it's just so refreshing to um, think about these these new solutions that might help tackle um, some of these problems like waste and uh, climate change. And I was just wondering if if our listeners are interested in finding out a bit more about mint innovation, uh, how can they find out? What your company's up to?
0: Yeah, we've got a website, obviously, uh, www.mint.io. Um, and, uh, and and we're also in the news. If if there's people in New Zealand who are who are interested, um, we're always keen to talk. We, we, we love sharing our story. Um, most of most of almost all of the team are technical, and, uh, and and you know we get excited about what we're doing. So um, happy to uh, connect with people as well.
1: And just out of curiosity, uh, when you mentioned excitement, is is there anything that you've seen in the news or come across recently in the last few months that's made you personally really excited about the future?
0: Look, tech in general, tech in general is taking a real strong turn towards towards climate uh, tech. Um, Investors are taking that turn. Governments are also starting to do that. You talked about the initiative uh, around mineral sovereignty in the UK, that is really a that's, a that's a climate tech um a sweet spot um the recent legislation out of uh, out of the US uh, that's going to put uh, billions of dollars of funding into climate tech all of these things it's making it's making doing what we do easier in the long run um, it's not going to have an immediate effect on us today but it's definitely going to have a big big impact on um, on on tomorrow's technologies. Um, I'd I'd argue that uh, we're 10, 10, 20 years too late to be doing this, but, you know, better late, than never, let's get onto it and commercialise these technologies
1: because a whole range of solutions are needed. Yeah, look, something that makes me quite optimistic for the future is uh, New Zealand, like you said, has got massive strengths in um, the bioeconomy and it seems like the world is moving more and more towards the bioeconomy. There's been an announcement from the U.S. recently about trying to push that more, and there's really strong and deep links between the U.K. and New Zealand when it comes to growing things, and understanding how to better work with nature. So fingers crossed, we're on a path for more positive relations in the future. So, Will, uh, you mentioned that it seems to be that behaviours around the world might be changing when it comes to connecting with New Zealand post-COVID, where, where where there's like a real acceptance of like video conferencing and the idea that great research might only be just a phone call away. I mentioned the UK-New Zealand Research, Science and Innovation Arrangement, which is trying to build more links between uh, researchers in our countries. It, from your perspective, is there anything that could happen to make life a bit easier for you as an innovator?
0: Uh, yeah, so um, always, um, you know, being an innovator is hard. But, uh, but when, we, when we're looking to do business overseas in New Zealand, um, so our first protocol is, is NZT. We are aware of, uh, of, of uh, DIT, but, uh, but, you know, having stronger links there, I think would, would benefit us. And uh, there's people on the ground over in New Zealand, but we've never really made those links uh, very well. In the uk we do tend to go to the new zealand version of it because that's you know, they're on our doorstep and, and assist us in the market but uh yeah we're also we're uh, we're we're you know, in contact with, with uh, Innovate uk and, and, and a whole various um uh, government departments across the uk but uh but yeah it would be it would be preferable if we had kind of direct links in there and, and didn't have to work so hard to get to the right people
1: and that's something that we're uh, working towards um, ourselves because there's at the moment, there's actually a, an agritech delegation from New Zealand visiting the UK, which I guess is like the first step in in what we're trying to do in in building closer collaboration. There's a great track record of New Zealand companies going to the UK and, and making it a success when it comes to science. So there's companies like Abacus Bio spring to mind who, who are doing great jobs in, in addressing climate change uh, in the farming sector. Are there any particular features of the UK-New Zealand relationship that you think make it easier to do business between the countries? The, the feature
0: that we were primarily interested in, um, so so we were looking at, uh, at UK-Europe as, as one of the strongest, one of the you know, leading lights in the world from a um, regulation around waste. Um, and uh, the UK, as part of Europe, has some very, very progressive, um, uh, you know, aggressive uh, targets on uh, carbon mitigation and in particular waste um, mitigation. So uh, we recognise them as a a leader. We also recognise that through Brexit um, that uh, the UK has some fairly significant challenges to overcome working with Europe and, for example, exporting waste to Europe has become much more difficult. So we're kind of leveraging that kind of geopolitical environments to identify the UK as, as, as the next attractive uh, environment for us. It's a very, very long way from New Zealand, but, uh, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of upside. Um, we speak the same language, we we've, we've, uh, we use very similar laws, um, so business is easier. Um, and then you've got that geopolitical uh, kind of change, evolution over the last two or three years that makes what we're doing um, you know, pretty attractive in the UK. So. Uh, there's, there's,
1: there's a range of factors there yeah fantastic and uh as you say like changing factors just the rising cost of energy makes processing uh things in a traditional way so the old way of um, trying to grind up and reclaim gold from computers it it must obviously be raising the, the cost to do something like that so these new solutions become quite attractive commercially as well as on an environmental basis as well yeah,
0: absolutely. And, and look, I think we're, we're only starting to see um, the right now the, the challenges that those very, very high energy prices are going to create. They are going to uh, create a very, very strong demand for low-carbon uh, technologies. Um, and uh, yes, the high energy prices are associated with the war going on in, uh, in the Ukraine, but uh, I think high energy prices are going to be around for a long, long time. Uh, they're not going to go good. They're only going to go one way and, and rightfully so, because if you're burning, uh, burning fossil fuels to create energy, um, that's
1: something that needs to stop. I totally agree. Um, look, um, we've kind of come to the end for uh, the more formal section of the interview. Uh, and something that I'm quite keen to do is in previous podcasts, we've had a quick fire round um, just testing uh, our guest preference for either Kiwi or British um Pop culture. So, right. if you don't mind, um, I'm just going to hit you with about six or seven questions uh, and just instantly respond with your preference. So, uh, are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. So, first question cheese scone or Cornish pasty? Cornish pasty. Whitaker's or Cadbury's? I wow. Big call. I okay. Uh, <laughs> Um, oh, wellies um, or gumboots?
0: I, I am a I am a chocolate holic though, so uh, I I will eat anything. But uh, but my go-to, and to be fair, my go-to is typically Galaxy, which is very very British.
1: Uh, lovely, yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, so I, I I respect that choice when it comes to Galaxy, definitely. Um, so, wellies or gumboots? Wellies. Nice. Okay, six sixty or Coldplay?
0: Oh, I know Coldplay. I'm I'm sounding more British than Kiwi.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is a tough one: summer Christmas or winter Christmas?
0: That is a really tough one. Um, I do love my summer Christmases, but I yearn for for winter Christmases. But actually, um, immediately before COVID, spent uh, spent the Christmas, Christmas in in the cold. Um,
1: think I'm a glass for punishment. <laughs> um, so uh, oh, for or strawberries. Oh no. No, so 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 is that is that is that positive for strawberries or positive strawberries. for are, f- are full of
0: sand.
1: They are rose. Um, you can make some quite nice cakes and, and slices from them. Sand cakes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so like final one, uh, cliffhanger, pavlova or sticky toffee pudding. Oh,
0: oh probably pavlova. That uh, that is the only that's probably my only uh,
1: deference to uh Kiriana, isn't it? Pavlova, but um Pavlova's amazing. But probably score <laughs> is on top rather than Joe is on top. <laughs> okay, uh, a nice combination. Uh, a nice combination. So Will, like, like, thank you so much, it's, it's, it's been a deep insight into um, biology to solve, sorry, science to solve environmental problems, but also your preferences um, for sweet foods and, and, uh, and holidays. Um, Will, it's been an absolute pleasure to find out more about your work and your experiences in the UK and New Zealand. I wish you the best of luck with your UK expansion plans, and I really hope that we can catch up with you again. Thank you
0: very much, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tea with the High Commission. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can find us on iTunes or Spotify. Thank you very much and kakite ano.